Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the interview series. I'm Zane Lowe. We have a conversation with someone today. It's going to be hard to find the words really to introduce him because he's achieved so much over the course of his life and his career and the way he's translated that into art, whether it's with Blur or Gorillaz or with The Good, The Bad and The Queen, which doesn't often get mentioned in the same breath as those bands, but their records are amazing. Right through to the work he's done on the stage and working in the opera environment. I mean, this is a true Renaissance creative and someone who clearly, when it comes to applying himself to passion or challenges is just unafraid. At least that's what comes across. Let's find out as we dive into this. My latest conversation with someone I've been lucky enough to know for a very long time, so apologies in advance for any in-jokes or in-stories, but just stick with us. This is a good one. Myself and Damon Orban on the interview series. Hello, my friend. Hello. How wonderful to see you. Yeah. On my side of the pond, even. Yeah. Wow. It's uh go on. Yeah, I'm I'm here. It's the first time I've I've been back in America for many, many months. I know many years actually. And you were able to to put a positive spin on the fact that you're back in Los Angeles and I appreciate that because I know that uh, you Well well no, it's, it's there's always a bit of a bit of kind of sort of uh, uh realignment that yeah. has to take place over a you know because you you land and the way that earth back turns. In time. Yeah, yeah, jet lag's horrible. Yeah, it sucks. You're just a bit grumpy for a little bit, and 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 the sort of overwhelming optimism and positivity is is quite hard to yeah assimilate. It speaks to I think the raised eyebrow that our friendship, because mm-hmm. we are friends, yes, absolutely. has has raised amongst many throughout those years. My overwhelming optimism and positivity somehow you're willing to put up with. <laughs> Well, I mean, you clearly are, are are better suited for the West Coast than me. In some regards. But I do miss that sort of gritty, grey rain. Miserability. I miss being miserable. I miss a reason to be miserable. Yeah, exactly. You see you know, that. I like, I like walking outside and having, wherever I am, go, <laughs> go on, you... <laughs> be, well, be I, mean, out. I mean, to be honest with you, though, I mean, England at the moment, the, the politics are so... You know, it was such such a kind of crazy contract between Boris and his acolytes and, and the kind of northern working class and this terrible lie that was... In such a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of time. Yeah. If you put it in the context of a human day and not in the history of time, oh, absolutely. it was a bad minute. Not even that. Not even now. A couple not of seconds. That, yeah. Bit of a wobble. And now... Yeah, this is the thing. The older you get, the more the more you have to sort of uh, understand that perspective of of you know of your profound insignificance. <laughs> to do that, if you're an artist, you search for an environment to bring that sharply into focus. Mm. You search for something that will help you unlock something, and it's it feels to me like this album was a was a collaboration between you and the natural world in the best possible very much, way. Very much, very much so. I mean, it started with a proposition from a guy I've known for years, who's who used to run the uh, uh, Leon Festival, which is the most amazing French kind of one of those classic Europe Mediterranean arts events, and it's, it takes place in an old Roman amphitheater, and you eat, eat under grapevines, and it's fresh tomorrow. You know, just yeah. the most wonderful day. Yeah. You really look forward to it. Anyway, this guy, Mark Cardinal, said he changed jobs, and he started working with this orchestra in, in Paris, and said, what would you like to do? You can do anything, <laughs> as long as you use 
some members of this orchestra and I and I went away and I thought about it and then I thought I do know something I really want to do I really want to get some musicians to come and sit in my front room in Iceland and just play the landscape you know Beautiful. and we started doing that two and a half years ago and we, we were quite far into it and I'd, I'd done three workshops with them and, and we'd done them at different times of the year. The most kind of electrifying was sort of in the middle of the winter where, where everyone would turn up at my house at like nine o'clock, get them coffee, they'd settle down and literally still pitch dark and you'd just incrementally watch the light. Move with it. You move with it. And so this really lovely music was coming out of it and then bang, February last year. Yeah. That, that was the end of that. So I had these rehearsal tapes, nothing like, really well recorded, but but enough to kind of give me an idea of, of, of what maybe I could do with it. And, and and I sort of left it for a while. And then, I don't know, it's sort of like December last year, I just thought, I've got, I've got to do something with this. I've got to articulate how I'm feeling and I need to get this out. Mm-hmm. There's all this kind of sort of sadness, but kind of longing for rebirth, you know. And mm. I just sort of poured it into uh, this record in, in, in very hostile circumstances, really, because I have these old barns and they've, they're, they're, not, they're not heated and they've got stone walls, so they're very dusty. So I spent January and a bit of February just locked in a barn with two other musicians in duffel coats, gloves, coughing, <laughs> kind of shivering, making this record with, with really old instruments. For some reason, I decided just to, to bring down old analog valve organs and keyboards and so I, I had one of my mates who's brilliant electrician he'd come down literally drive down every kind of two or three days and fix the ones that had gone wonky and there's this kind of weird sort of tension in the music even though it's very calming really. it's both it's definitely both first of all beautiful answer a lot a lot to take from that um starting with the frivolous come make an album with damon he said It'll be like the gorillas will blur, but no, you got the solo record in the freezing barn with the analog, yeah. with the analog whirlies. Well, the, the, the people I work with are pretty used yeah, to. Used I to mean, in, in, in the last year. Searching for a punchline. Last autumn, we were in Paris working with 60 Malian and Congolese singers, dancers, musicians. That was kind of, I mean, I, I felt every day I'd, I'd wake up uh, and, and, and there'd be a phone call saying, right, it's it's been pulled. Someone's got COVID. Yeah, but it was bordering on miraculous that that no one got it. You know, yeah, and no vaccines back then. Sixty people, like yeah, in, in really close vicinity. No, congratulations. And, and we That's we, a big thing. But we weren't even in a, a bubble. Everyone was kind of sort of a lot of the uh, African uh, artists lived right out on the outskirts. You know, so mm. they were having to travel in every day from all these mm. disparate parts of mm. the Parisian kind of world so yeah it was miraculous but we did it and uh and then literally the day day we finished at the chatelet they went into like complete ma- yeah. major lockdown i was going to ask about that because it you know I, I know that when it eventually began to land in africa it was a significant part of this this awful chapter in in mm. life but you know but you know having spent quite a lot of time in africa and I, yes you, you went there with me many yes. many years ago yes i did approach this whole thing where we with a certain attitude, which was like, well, I've, I've, I've been in those environments where you can catch anything, you can catch malaria, yeah. you can get diphtheria. You, can, I mean, 
w- once I, I I came out of a a, a nightclub uh, actually Tamani Diabati the very famous Malian Cora player came out of his nightclub in in Bamako in flip flops uh, a little bit drunk and and you'll know because you've been there. Is this the one but, where you fell on the drain? Yeah, I was there. You were there. It was me and you. <laughs> exactly. I want to say Martha, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and you fell in a drain. And cut my, yes. you sliced my yes. tongue. You were there. I was there. I was one of two other people who saw it. I can vouch for it. Yeah. If I hadn't smashed about 85 cans of local lager, me I would have been a lot more worried. I was I, still worried. I had to, I, I, I just had to make my peace at that moment because there was, what, whatever had happened in that sewer I'll never forget with, my, that with my sliced toe oh my uh, god had already happened this yeah. guy's Ahab right I've said this before to people off the record said, this guy's Ahab he's, this is the guy who's like he's like, he's like, he's the one who's on the mast in the storm like is that all you got <laughs> this is what this guy is and so you've never heard anything and so you've gotten in a local transport with D <laughs> and with a sliced up toe having fallen in a local Malian drain sewage drain and what does he do <laughs> There's a laughter that can only be done by him in a moment like that. It's this, mis- this maniacal, crazy laughter. Well, just anyway, like, how many years later? How many years later? I don't know, but it's good to see you learning to walk with nine toes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's still there. I mean, every time I, I think about it, I do get it. It does kind of sort of throb a bit, but I thought I think that's just... Well, that's because you're thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly. And I actually cut my finger off. It's last uh, Christmas Eve. I, 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 I was making some a pesto. And I, I had a hand blender, and I just, just, just made it. I thought, mm, that looks good. But instead of like, just tasting a bit from the bowl, I decided to stick my finger into the blender, pick it up, and press the button. Oh my god! You had like a like the ultimate brain fart. What <laughs> <laughs> it is? <laughs> press the button. It went. <laughs> then, oh my god! And then I sort of had to sort of pull it out, and it completely severed. This was on Christmas Eve, so. <laughs> You know, I went, I went to Paddington uh, uh, A&E and they said, there's nothing we can do for yeah. you. Uh, we're, we're cleaning it up, but it's going to be at least 10 days. And I said, you, I'm, I'm a pianist. I, I need my finger back. Okay, and that's when I have to drop the first of what will maybe be many bombs. <laughs> because the idea of you being in, in Paddington ER going, I'm a pianist. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you I have mean, to repair no, my finger that I chopped off in a blender making pesto. I mean, it literally was... Uh, was oh my seven. God, look at it. You can it's, see it. Uh, anyway, a fantastic surgeon... Put it back together. What, what, what was, ...was found uh, on Christmas Day and on Boxing Day. I, I got it sewed back on. And- so let me, let me just tie this up and put a ribbon on it. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined many people's Christmas because you chopped your yeah, finger no, off in a, in a blender. Yeah, no, I at home. I did. But I did... The, the one good thing is I didn't have to make Christmas dinner because I've been, I always make Christmas dinner. So. Oh, okay. And yeah, it was a very good Christmas dinner. Perhaps subliminally you swerved that responsibility. I, I think it's just called routes. getting, I think it's they're... called age as well. I think just when you get old, you do shit like that. Like it's like, what the I literally, as, it, as I was pressing the button, it was like, my finger's in here. What am I doing? I had a moment like that the other day. I was playing Guess Who with the kids and I'd be like, is he bald? And they'd go, no. So I'd take down everything that wasn't bald. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. You, you take the bald ones down and the flip thing. You just like, <laughs> and I did it every time, like and to the point where I was like, oh my God, senility is hitting me early in life. I feel like I got on your boat in Mali that time and I've, I've enjoyed being on it ever since. No, I mean, hey, after 50, life's amazing. Well, you look really good for it. And I think having done this a long time now, I see this in artists who stay curious and inspired. I see the light come and go, but when it comes back, 
it's it's like it, it drains all of that age and all of that yeah. worry oh, off no, there's you. Something, there's something very holistic about making music, you know. What was the road to this process here? You talked about sadness and need for rebirth in, in a previous answer and also sitting on these ideas and these arrangements for a while and then I know that feeling when it's like I've got to get up and I've got yeah. to work on this or I'm really going to hate myself. So yeah. so what what was going on in your life when you when you decided to finish this record and make a difference? There was still there was literally nothing going on as well and yeah. uh I just wanted to do it. I mean I could kind of I could be kind of happy just making solo records all the time because uh, in some ways they're sort of a lot easier. They're very deep though. I mean, I listened to Everyday Robots again this morning when I was yeah. in advance of this and when you're on your own terms, yeah. you definitely don't hold back. You haven't got other distractions and no. other characters and things you can lean no. into. It's interesting doing being different people in a way. I mean, I always feel like I'm still myself, but yeah. you know, the, the, the world I inhabit in Gorillaz is obviously very different to yeah. the world of the Near of the Fountain. Yeah, yeah. On this particular album, when you were making this album, and, and I really, I, I do need to talk more about the environment because I haven't spoken to anybody who's put their piano in front of a window. Yeah, I saw some photos, you know, that, that you posted Amazing. of you sitting in front of the piano with the mountains and, yeah. and it looks like a lake in front of you. And No, that's the sea. That's the, that's the actual Ocean. sea. Yeah. And you've had this house for a while, right? Because you, I've, I've, had feel it, like, I, I've had it for 20 years. Yeah, you were a very early adopter, if there is such a thing, yeah. in terms of people discovering yeah, well, the well, joys of Reykjavik. They made me uh, uh, an Icelandic citizen last year. I heard. Congratulations. Yeah, I've, I've got another passport. What's the passport look like? It's kind of a light blue one. Beautiful. Yeah, it's it feels good. So you're dual citizen now of the United Kingdom and Iceland. Yeah. That's it? I think that's enough. <laughs> you don't want to like, do some Jason Bourne shit where it's like you roll no, in with I, a briefcase full that, of passports? That's enough. I mean... You don't need them anyway because, you know, the world opens opens the door and welcomes you with open arms because you bring art and commerce wherever you go. Um, so so what has your experience, what have you gained out of spending so much time in Iceland? What part, what role does Iceland play in um, your life? It's a deep one because my, my, my mum's family are originally from Denmark. So I've, got, I've always had a, a sort of sense that I wasn't just English, you know. And when I went to Iceland the first time, it, 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 it was... Uh, it was as a result of uh, a recurring childhood dream of um, uh, levitating and over black black sand, but it had no geography to it. Obviously, it could have been New Zealand, and it, and we'd be having an entirely different conversation now. But I'm kind of glad that it was Iceland that I identified with. But did you know when you went to Iceland that this was the place that had, had kind of been stirring in your dreams? No, I mean, it, it came at a time, it was like 1996, I was I was in America and uh, in a hotel and I watched a National Geographic program about Iceland and I went, oh, shit. there's all these volcanic beaches. That's, I want to go there. So I, I just went there with a typewriter and a guitar and I I booked into Hotel Saga, which I thought, ah, oh, no, that, that sounds kind of vaguely kind of Viking-esque, but turned out it was like Hilton the cruise, ship, the cruise ships, oh, right. you know. And, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it was very productive, that first trip there. I mean, I did. I ended up recording Song 2 there and Beetlebum and all those tunes. It was the first time that I kind of realised that, ah, different environments, Yes, they inspire different textures and emotions. Well, those songs in particular, and I'm thinking about Beetlebum and whatever else was going on around that time, mm. was a significant point oh 
to put it into everyday robot language, it was like there was a different point oh from there. If you were at a two point or three point oh with the band at that point, yeah, well, it was, like, well, it was that. It, but it was an escape thing, really, going to Iceland because it, I, I, I did feel like uh, it had all just become ridiculous, Britpop, and yeah, yeah, that was the height of it. The euphoria of the of the late nineties, and it felt odd, gross. Looking back on it now, in yeah. a weird way, but also you think back in the nineties, and you think, wow, we really <laughs> had so much. Freedom <laughs> compared to now, just yeah, extraordinary what we were allowed to get away with. Well, once you went behind closed doors, that was pretty much it. But no telephones, That's what I mean. no, no internet, internet, no social media. <laughs> Politicians trying to at that time trying to lean into the freedom of it, like, oh, freedom is great. We're here to help bolster your freedom. We want you to have more freedom. Yeah, yeah now yeah. it's like less. Yeah, <laughs> but but that whole idea of telephones as well. Yeah, and my daughter just cannot understand my kind of complete sort of disregard for my telephone yeah i mean my telephone's either lost or not on but you've always been like that i've always been like that i don't think that's just like the advent of social media i think you're not but she can't understand how i my relationship with social media i mean i have no social media yeah she doesn't understand why you're uh, not on tiktok uh, tiktok is the bane of my life now why? Because everyone kind of wants you to understand it. It's like, how am I going to understand? Jamie's been studying TikTok, but I, I keep telling him he's got the wrong algorithms because, you know what I mean? I think it's all about what algorithm your telephone It's 100% about understanding the language of the algorithm. And yeah. my, our 15-year-old was talking to me about it this morning. It's funny you mentioned that. But if she doesn't understand your relationship with all of that, do you understand hers? No, I don't. Mm. I mean, we have a great relationship, so we communicate successfully, I think. But, I mean, I just she shows me stuff, and I, you know, <laughs> she's falling about like in hysterics and I just find it kind of sort of puerile and yeah you know meaningless yeah. and depressing yeah <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that she's not like, everything not everything of course there is something no, not everything. but she's of an age now you can't even because when they're really young even if you find that stuff puerile and depressing you pretend to find it funny you're like oh that's great where well, yeah. you go off to and now you just look at her and must just go yeah no I suppose I literally don't know who I am or where I'm going or what anything means anymore. I thought that, you know, at this age, 53, I'd be a bit more kind of savvy about that was the meaning the, of life. But that was, I don't know if that was ever the just, plan. It's just, it's just less and less. Yeah, I don't know if that's ever the plan. I think you become more wayward. I think that, the, you know, it, that the ocean gets wider, I think, actually, in a strange and way. Deeper. And deeper. And what I really love about this record is that you have thrown yourself into that. There is no desire, from what I can tell, to control anything. No. on this record at all. No. There are sweeping instrumentals. Yeah. No, I really love this record. I'm I'm really excited about playing it as well next year. I've been playing it a bit. I know. I, I saw some footage at the Shakespeare and it looked oh, amazing. Incredible. Incredible. To set the scene, this is a replica of the original Globe yeah, Theatre that right. William Shakespeare built. That's right. On the, on the South Bank. All the acoustics in, in the round and all. Yeah, but, but when I got there and I, and I started sort of sound checking and checking it out it's like it's like a wood framed albert hall it's yeah. and, and and everyone sits on wooden seats so everyone can feel the vibrations yeah. it's the most beautiful place it was i think it's the first kind of sort of electrified concert they've ever done there and everyone uh in the theater they're like we've got to do more of this because this place is it's kind of 
one of the best venues I've ever played in. Well, you can tell because every musician that you have, some I'm familiar with, some seem, who seem new, um, yeah. were very happy. And everyone and was really All the cutaways, really everyone's happy. just smiling at each other and having yeah. a really good well, time. They're, they're a lovely bunch and we're doing, you know, I'm very lucky. I, I, I get to work with some brilliant musicians. You attract the best. One of the things I love about this record is that there are very clear reoccurring themes is too strong a word, but threads that flow through it. This idea of trusting nature, not just literally, but almost like as a as an education tool. Like maybe if they if the birds have figured out how to come well, back exactly. together, maybe I will. Well, exactly. It's all about that. I mean, it's what Iceland and 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 the lockdown afforded me really was was just that moment of silence. You know, quite a long a long moment. Well, how did it feel at first? How did stillness feel? Because you are go go go. I mean, I've I've hung with you. I've been to thirteen. You got this on the go, this on yeah. the go. You're coming in late. You've had a swim. You're having a coffee. You're working with this. Income Snoop's coming in later. I've only got yeah. half an hour. Right, good to see you. I'm catching a train. I'm going to see Jamie. I'm going over here. I'm going record shopping. You don't stop. No, I haven't stopped, but. I just made a decision like the day before they said, right, we're locking down just to, to move everything, family, engineers. That, I mean, you know, that that took a little bit of convincing that, right, I don't know how long you're going to be here, but you're going to come and live in the middle of nowhere with me. Um, but fair play to Sam. He he, he did it. And, uh, yeah, I think maybe five, five months later when I was kind of sort of banging a gong first thing in the morning to get him up to go for a run and – you know, go swimming. He, he maybe thought, I need to escape. But I, I believe I'd, it did him some good. There's a wonderful so- uh, song on this called The Tower of Montevideo, which is uh, inspired by a really beautiful, mm. beautiful building, like a yeah. stunning building. At one point, it was the tallest building in South America. South America. Have you been there? No. And oh. the reason why I brought it up is because you've traveled so much further than I or almost anyone I know or listening to this could ever dream of. Mm. You've been afforded this opportunity and afforded yourself. Yeah. Times you, you, I know you travel when you're not on, on band yeah. mode or creative yeah. mode. You you love the idea of visiting these places, don't you? Yeah. This curiosity. It's that idea that how can you know the world unless you Yeah. you've experienced it. So when you saw that building for the first time, I'm trying to connect the dots between absorbing and appreciating and being inspired enough to create something where it is a central mm. theme. The architect was was an Italian um, who also worked for Mussolini. So that really kind of dark connection yeah. between fascism and South America is is in its DNA. But it's it was this. So in the nineteen thirties, they had this incredibly futuristic tower block built in Montevideo, and they had a cinema in there. They it had a lighthouse on the top of it. It had a huge great ballroom restaurants just a really kind of the 19th you can't imagine no, in the 1930s there was something like yeah. that and down there like no, Westfield for the 1930s exactly, but done right exactly yeah. exactly so it, it's it's a stunning stunning piece of architecture and the hotel that you stay in in Montevideo or I stayed in but I think everyone stays there because I think it's the only hotel that kind of works in for, for like big big touring mm. groups uh, is haunted and notoriously so, probably because I've got a, a, a very active imagination, I absolutely had a visitation from this this ghost. What happened? Just touched my, I just felt, you know, you know that you must have. Yeah, I've had something like that. 
a presence, a feeling. A pre- definitely a, sense. a presence yeah. in the corner of the room. Yeah. And then a sort of <laughs> some <laughs> physical thing. At which at which point I, I had to leave that room and did you do what uh, many who know you would expect you to do and go, off, cough? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. When you're in that silence, it's yeah. not quite the same, is it? Yeah. No, so it, it had a really, a really powerful... This was a gentle touch. But I kind of wanted to find out more about this this ghost. And there's several ghosts that it could be. It's not just... It's, it's, it's a kind of poly ghost. Mm-hmm. But uh, the kind of most famous one was a politician who had a heart attack while um, in the company of two young ladies. Uh, and his is kind of the most notorious, the most kind of sort of problematic ghost in, in the building. So it may, may have been that one. It was a tactile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a tactile <laughs> it experience. Was, it was odd, whatever it was. <laughs> Wasn't it? The album is called The Nearer the Fountain, More Pure the Stream Flows. It's a lyric that, that appears on Particles in the last song on the record. Um, but it's, it's, it's a phrase from, from, it's a, from, from a, poem. a much uh, longer poem by, yeah. by the, the, the English poet John Clare, who yeah. he was like one of the first working class. 19th century poets mm. there's a sort of magic to him it's a, it's a tenuous connection to William Blake in the sense that he, he uses nature to 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 construct these kind of sort of magnificent ideas of of Albion well William mm. Blake mm. referred to it as Albion mm. but he's an interesting guy he was gay and he also checked himself into not a mental institute that didn't exist then, but but a kind of retreat for I think ten years, you know, because he he couldn't deal with with the world, and I just think his his poetry is very very beautiful. Mm. And I I've been given this anthology by by my mum when I when when I was a teenager, and at some point I'd obviously been reading that poem Love and Memory, and I'd gone to this the nearer the fountain more pure the stream flows and i'd and i'd extracted it and written it in a notebook because when i i I kind of placed it as the title for this project this icelandic project i kind of forgot that it where it had come from and it was only sort of latterly in lockdown with a lot of time to myself that that i i went back and 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 realized that it was part of this much bigger poem called love and memory which is um it's a sort of devastatingly beautiful evocation of 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 someone who's recently died that title in itself love and memory Mm. that is a motive in itself Mm -hmm. i mean isn't that really what it all comes down to at the end isn't that the closest thing that you really hope to experience well there's nothing without memory that's it that's it got to make as many as we can yeah and then and then remember them (laughs) (laughs) which you and i have definitely drunk a few away <laughs> oh for sure yes. so what's your relationship like with things like notebooks because well that's talk- the interesting thing about memory because i remember vividly what happened to my toe but you don't remember me my, you don't remember, don't remember me being, being there, being there. Oh, <laughs> I, <laughs> cheek of this guy <laughs> no but you know what i mean it's like <laughs> i now i remember now yeah. so yes i was there but uh <laughs> Oh, I know you were there. What I was, I was talking about that moment. <laughs> Do you remember me playing table tennis or ping pong with you? Yeah, of course. But you definitely didn't beat me. Oh, f- no, I got one point. And do you remember <laughs> what you did when I got one point? You beat me 21-1. And do you know what you did when I got that point? It was like 18 and I finally got a point. 
Oh, you threw the most almighty was, contantrum. My God, you were just, I mean, it was, I was so happy that I got one point and you just ruined it because you were just like so angry that I'd even gotten one point. I think it might be exaggerating. I'm no, sure you were like, for f- sake, <laughs> what the f***? I believe you got a f***ing point against me because you're very good. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm. No, you're but, very good. Yeah, I'm very good. But then you, uh, I, I had an opportunity to go and uh, visit the, uh, the training camp for... For the uh, British Olympic team, and then I realised. Oh, so, <laughs> so I start. I started off with the Olympic team, yeah. and just I couldn't even get a point. Yeah. So I started to go down the the age groups, and like eleven at the the the, the under elevens, I was. I <laughs> you, felt, you felt comfortable bullying felt them. Comfortable, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it really put it into sharp relief how. You know the difference between well, amateur and professional. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not going to put the Olympic no. British table tennis team up on stage in front of eighty thousand people and give them a guitar, are we? So no. you know, everyone's well, got their no, role. I mean, I nearly played Drake uh, a few years ago. He was He's in, supposed to be very good. Is he? Yes. How good? Better than me? I wouldn't go that far. I was. He was going to come round. It was like one of those things. I'm not that I know. I'm not making out. I know Drake, but. For some reason, no, it, it was gonna, he, he was in town and he wanted to play table and heard and it was yeah. going to, but but it didn't happen there because I think he was probably a bit, you know, he didn't want to risk it. Well, because people, <laughs> because those of us who know, yeah. we've been doing this work for you behind the scenes for years. We'll tell anybody. I'll tell anybody because right. it comes up. Yeah, yeah. Well, no good. I mean, but then I have to live up to that. Has any other musician ever beaten you? Uh no. Are you sure uh, about Rio that? Ferdinand the uh You sure about that? I I heard Who? Didn't didn't Win Butler beat no, you at Coachella? Cough did he? No, not a chance. I I've heard that before. No, no he didn't. No he didn't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not true. But acclaimed footballer Rio Ferdinand. He did, yeah. Mm. But but I, I I put that down to superior fitness and height. <laughs> right, he's a tall guy. Yeah, I mean... You're definitely the best I've ever seen, and I've watched a lot of people throw down. <laughs> Easily the best I've ever seen. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, you know, you're not welcome because you fucking made me feel shit for getting one point. You should have celebrated me that day. And I should like, have done that. Good for you. Well, I, think, I, I feel like now I've matured more and... You think you could handle that? that? I don't know I if could you definitely could. handle I don't that. I if you could. I think I could. This wonderful album comes with a collection of players and musicians that you've known, some of whom you've known for a very long time. I'm sure you have yeah. very deep and sort of instinctive communication. Well, the with. two, the two who were locked in the barn and and you know suffered. It Mike it was Mike Smith and Simon Tong. That's right. And that they were the only two people on the record. Yeah, which is just for me. You can hear it because it has this kind of. There's, there's this kind of feeling to it that, does, like I said, doesn't feel like there's, there's any framework. It doesn't feel like there's structure. Mm. Like it feels just very much like you're following. I think it's just it's just a side of me that 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 I get the opportunity occasionally to sort of, uh, you know, indulge. I mean, I feel like you've built a life of indulgence. Like <laughs> you get to wake up and you have the studio and you have all of these amazing faces you can put on that are all you on yeah. the inside, but the face is different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm lucky, but I've kind of dedicated my life to making music. Correct. You've done the work. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You know, I haven't allowed many distractions to get in, as a lot of people would attest. <laughs> 100%. And a lot of people do. A lot of people, and I think this traces back to your decision in 1996 to try out Reykjavik. Yeah, exactly. No, it really. I, that I could have been a moment when it could have yeah. gone another direction. Yeah. No, I think it was a big decision. 
So let me ask you this then, given that you've made those decisions now, that one worked. So you were like, oh, that worked. We were Mm -hmm. successful and I didn't have to give anything up. In fact, I took things back. Mm -hmm. So that worked. So you've done that throughout your life at moments. I feel when it could have gotten out of your hands, you're like, no, no, no. I like, I like having this close to me. I don't need to let anybody else have it. Or you know Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say? Do you think I'm a better interview? E now. You do remember the first interview. No, I know. I mean, mean, Damon with Blur. Yeah, it was difficult. Fucking hell, was it? I mean, you guys were the the gold standard for (laughs) bullshit. <laughs> it was like it was terrible, but but I was too. I I was also. I put so much in these kind of conversations on yeah. my own ego, no. and over time, I think I've learned to like. I think we just we've yeah. Played. I don't. I don't have any ego in this game anymore. No, I really don't. Like, uh, I would be so devastated if someone didn't answer the question I wanted to answer or took the piss out of me. Or this, this, this. I was just young and dumb, and I think. So are you. Yeah, exactly. And I think that now it's like about curiosity, really. It's about just trying to find... We've both realised how lucky we are. <laughs> We're so lucky to still be here. I'll drop one for that. Yeah. No, it's true. And, yeah. and look, at the end of the day, I think you have a more interesting life to talk about. If you think about it back then, you were probably still answering the same questions over and over again because you were in one band and you probably had only had a few different iterations of that band. It's amazing in a way how confined you are when when, when you're in your that first state, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's quite hard to break out of that and a lot of people just they they have that opportunity and they dabble and it doesn't go well so they just go they right go back, back right to right back it. to it. Go and then they stay there for the rest of their lives. You've you brought know? the question back to me and I appreciate it, which was as someone who has danced in this other space a few times and kept refreshing and kept renewing it and kept it exciting for yourself. I'll do this opera. I'll make this solo record with a theme. I'll go over to Africa. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah. What is the sort of feeling like when you know it's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it, I'm going to do something that's unexpected. I'm going to make a change. They bubble. Like they're, they're all over. They're like, like, I'll go back to ice and they're like, they're like, geezers you know yeah, yeah. you don't know when they're gonna like explode but they you know something's happening i mean i've got loads of kind of things like that at the moment i met this really interesting uh russian ballet dancer who uh sergey pulin mm-hmm. he offered me a, a a very interesting kind of project which i've sort of started thinking about so probably going to do something like i'm gonna do a ballet soon Amazing. It's really exciting. Which is a whole other discipline. To- totally, yeah. Completely unique experience. One I know nothing about. Exactly. Requiring a huge nothing. amount of interest. But this is nothing new to you. This is what's crazy about you is you somehow have the confidence to be able to apply yourself into areas that others spend decades trying to master, and yet you seem to be able to make something well, new I've, there. Well, I, I think all it is is just like I, I feel like this is just one long college course, you know. This semester, I'm doing it. Learning how to do ballet, you know, that's it's as simple as that. And it kind of, the more things you do, the sort of, you know, you it's like, uh, it's momentum, isn't it? You learn new things. I mean, there's still things that scare me, like writing full, full, full blown orchestral music is still. I've got, I've got something I've got to finish by the end of November in that kind of world, and I'm kind of still. I'm procrastinating a bit about, which is not like me. Normally, I because you, but I'm because I'm, of fear. I'm, uh, yeah, scared. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Well, you should ask me why I'm actually here. Why are you here? Yeah, I mean, th- this was really nice that I was able to come and see, but I'm not actually here to see me. No, no, I'm I'm at Netflix because um, we're making a 
full-length gorillas film with Netflix. Oh, amazing. Yeah, we're, we're, I feel we're, like that's been on the boil forever. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm we're having a a a, uh, a writing session in Malibu this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you coming in the first thing he says. Oh, good idea. It's all so perfect. But well, I've got to leave in a minute. Go oh, to Malibu know. for my writing session. <laughs> <laughs> and therein lies the most gorgeous contradiction <laughs> of the wonderful man in front of me. You spin both plates, and I love that. It's really exciting to do that. It's something we've been wanting to do yeah. for a very long time. It's been through so many incarnations, this yeah. gorilla's doing a, a, a movie, yeah. uh, honestly. But Netflix, I don't know. I mean, apart from them kind of running this, this city yeah. now. Yeah. I, mean, I was going to say, the, the model seems to work. <laughs> it's yeah. extraordinary to see how, how ubiquitous they are now. Um, yeah, they just seem like, they like they're, they're a, good, a good creative team, you know. That's good. I'm super excited about that. Um, but, I, I, but I can't say anything more about it. No, no, no. It, and I'm not going to... No, I was, was going to... Uh, no, but I mean, you know. I was going to back up. I was going to rewind selector. I wasn't going to go any further. Oh, I yeah. I was about I'm to doing that. And, it, you know, when it's finished. Yeah. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> I mean, the timing is perfect for that film because I feel like that part of your life is, is more successful and more in demand than ever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I feel... I have to remember that I'm not like young and not like in that algorithm anymore. But it's true. I think I think both of us like I agree with you. Like I totally forget my place in yeah. in age and growth and all that shit. Yeah. I forget my place. I'm still the person 25 years yeah, ago no, in my head. Too. I think absolutely. Yeah. As long as I as long as I don't get too hung up on that, then it's fine doing gurus because it's a weird thing. It's like it's one of those projects now that you know it doesn't. It doesn't fit into the mainstream anymore, and yet, and yet, when we play concerts, yeah. it it's magnificent. You know what I mean? Having spoken to lots of people about gorillas over the years, first of all, um, it appeals to discerning music and, and yeah. art fans. There's a discerning crowd, and actually, in all of the world, if you can reach discerning people who like art and music and yeah. visuals, that's quite a large amount of people. Yeah, no, it 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 is, but you know. You 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 know my feelings about certain aspects of mainstream culture. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't want to be like no 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 a downer. At well, all. you're not a downer, but you subvert it in an amazing way. That's what I think is great about it, is that you make it better because you create environments within which you can subvert things. Even on your last solo record, right? Successful number two in the United Kingdom, charted all over the world. No, you can say what you want. That's for an album like Everyday Robots, which is basically a whole album telling the people, telling us that we, we're. F- yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, most of my records. Are oh, like I'm that. F- damn! I, let me go yeah, buy that yeah, record yeah, for you. Yeah, I love yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give him hell, Quimby. No, it's true. I do all right for a doom monger. <clears throat> You're a miserable sod yeah. with a big heart. Do you know what? Here's another funny story. I gave him some lifetime achievement award thing at the Q magazine awards once I went up on stage and it was me and somebody else and I can't remember who it was but they didn't want to say anything so they were like you do the talking so I was like yeah listen you know one of the greatest musicians blah 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 gorillas blah blah and I said at the end and also no matter what anyone says or what he says about himself one of the sweetest kindest most big hearted humans I've ever met Damon Orban he got up there <clears throat> so, all right, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Walked off. Well, what you had say? Had some photos. Yeah, had some photos with me, and then he whispers in my ear. Don't ever can tell people I'm a nice guy. I've got to take out <laughs> ever again. Facts. No, 
Yeah, there's some truth in that. I mean, I, I mean, oh, God. I think it's just because I get embarrassed in those sort of, I think it's just. Because it's, it's embarrassing, man. It's like, it's, it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You know? Because uh, I don't do it for that. No, nah, man. No. You do it for this. <laughs> the nearer the fountain, more pure the stream flows. I mean, as soon as this album begins with the title track um, and flows all the way through, it's a really emotional album for any, and in particular for anybody who I think is searching for a greater truth because we distract ourselves internally and with things very near to us all the time. So we forget that actually yeah. outside of our little micro bubble is a world that's constantly pulsing and trying to get our attention. Yeah. We never open ourselves up to that. We always give ourselves reasons to stay super close and super micro. This is a major macro album to put yeah. it in modern terms yeah yeah no, no it's meta modern macro if yeah. you want me to put it in mega hype modern terms that sounds like an algorithm <laughs> it is you've created a new one <laughs> it's attached to the mountains and the seas of iceland <laughs> the incredible damon orban right there his brand new solo album is available to stream right now on apple music which is also where i'm at but thank you for stopping by on the interview series right here on apple Podcasts and checking out this latest episode with damon orban on the next podcast i'll be talking to adele which is obviously awesome. So we'll catch you then. <laughs>